I reflected on Philippians 2, 19 through 30 uh, as I was preparing for today. So it's kind of a long passage, but it's something that shows up in a number of places where Paul is is greeting the church, in this case, the church, the Philippian church, and he's telling them something of what's going on in his life and how, in this particular case, he is intending to send Timothy to them. Uh, I like how he puts it. Um, he's sending Timothy to be an encouragement and to be, and he knows he's specifically sending Timothy because he knows that Timothy has a very authentic uh, compassion and ability to um, be an encouragement. And Paul is reflecting on that's rare. Most people aren't that authentic with their uh, compassion. Yeah. I didn't bring the page up that actually said that. So it's, it's the part where it's kind of bold. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So Paul could be with us today, right, in saying that um, as we live in a world that is very polite and nice but not necessarily authentically caring for each other. He also, and you can go to the next slide, Brian, is he's sending Epaphroditus or... Epaphrodites, I don't know how to say his name. But this was a a guy that the Philippians actually sent to Paul to help minister to him. I guess he got um, actually deathly ill at some some point when he was with Paul. And um, when the Philippians heard this, they were really concerned and so and and then he made it through and he got well but he was very concerned for his, the people in um Philippi to uh know that he was well and doing all right so he was he was having stress in his heart for them and Paul saw that and said you need to go home so this is and that's it that's the passage <laughs> now i have to confess I usually jump quick through these parts <laughs> uh, to get to the meat of whatever the letter is. It's like, okay, I know that Paul is greeting us, he's sending us something, people, and we know that Paul sent Timothy to a number of places um, when he couldn't make it. But um, So God said, no, you're going to stay right here. You're not going to go any further in your your thinking and reflecting. You're going to stay right here. Um, So um, why don't we hit the first map? I'm, I'm going to give just a little background into Paul and what he was doing. So Paul took four mission journeys. Um, where he, you can see these are the four. They get kind of tangled because he he revisited places. Um, he walked over 10,000 miles in the course of his ministry. I cannot imagine it. I don't know if he could imagine it or if he just did it. <laughs> um, but in any case... He would, he walked, and he stayed with um, different people, different groups. He talked about Jesus in a lot of different places, and he ended up um, 
establishing at least 14 different churches along the way, of which Philippians is one of them. And uh, he met the Philippians on the second journey. So that's this. That's where uh, I marked where Philippi was. And, um, and then he revisited them on the third journey. But this letter is coming out of the fourth journey. And it's, he did make this journey, um, but not all historians call this a mission journey. Some do and some don't. We don't really know um, what exactly he, all that he did during this journey. What we do know is he was uh, imprisoned several times during this journey. So some, some historians feel it was more that the, the Romans were <laughs> causing this journey to happen um, as they were taking him to Rome to face some judgment. He does end up in Rome. He is uh, under house arrest, whatever that meant. I don't know what that exactly meant. I don't think he was wearing an ankle bracelet and being allowed to roam around the house and do whatever. <laughs> so uh, sometimes he calls it in prison. prison. Sometimes he has uh, dialogues and events with guards, so I don't, I don't have a clear idea of what that means. But it's from that place. He, w- he, he was under house arrest for at least two years while in Rome before they um, released him. Uh, and that, during that time, he wrote a lot of letters. And this is when he was writing Philippians, the letter that um, we've been studying. And uh, he obviously has some friends around him. Timothy is with him, Epaphroditus. There are probably a few other people that he's, uh, men who are helping him and serving him during this time. But in general, he's in prison. And um, the reason some people call this a mission journey, though, is that in other places, Paul implied that he wanted to take a trip to Spain. And so some people hypothesize that he is on this journey to Spain and in the process got waylaid by the Romans. Um, it's not clear. We have no evidence that he actually made it to Spain. Um, he's obviously not revisiting a lot of the churches that he established. And this would be his last journey. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but he ends up... He, he actually says in the passage that he's hoping to visit the Philippians again, but he never visits them again because he is killed during this journey. Um, The Romans released him at one point. We don't know where he went, but he got captured again. This was during Nero's time. This is just a little history. has nothing to do with the main point of the story, but it's kind of interesting. This was during... uh, Nero's time, who, who really persecuted the Christians in some pretty awful ways, um, killing them and displaying them. But because Paul was a Roman citizen, they, the historians hypothesized that he was beheaded, as if that isn't a terrible way to die. But at least he wasn't like Peter, who got crucified and held on public display. Anyway, so this is kind of the what's happening to Paul as he's focusing on the Philippians and saying, I want to send someone to you to encourage you. It's a man who is facing his own trial and eventual death. Um, So there's a lot of ways that 
we could go with this passage. Believe it or not, even though I don't use, even though I rush through these path, types of passages, once I actually stated it, I realized, oh, there's a lot of things to talk about here. One of them is we could continue to talk about the mission journeys of Paul, because he's right in the middle of one, right? And it factors into a lot of what he teaches in Philippians. We could talk about um, Paul in prison. Just We could just focus on that because there's a lot to be uh, gathered from understanding sacrifice and torture and pain and suffering that he went through on these missionary journeys. We could talk, and I, I think maybe probably mostly people unpack this passage by talking about his relationship to Timothy, which was a special one. And uh, Paul considered himself a father to Timothy and the relationship they had as a son and father. And we would probably interpret that, well, as a father and son, but a mentoring, that Paul was mentoring um, Timothy. And uh, certainly that is an important thing to, to think about for us, right? But what I'm going to talk today about is the thing that captured me over and over about this is why, why did Paul care so much? What was he trying how did he see himself in relationship to these churches that he established? And why was he sending someone he loved so deeply and was so much ministering to him, Timothy? Why was he sending him away at a very critical time? Uh, I don't know if I were in prison that I would be spending so much time, all my time, thinking about all these other people, <laughs> especially the Philippians, because they weren't in, it does not imply in the scripture that they were in any kind of distress. They, they weren't, um, well, they probably were coming under some kind of... Um, censorship because all Christians were actually and this is when the catacombs was um, very operative but in general he's relating to the Philippians as his joy he's he's happy for them he's he's seeing them as as people that are getting it and are established and he's rejoicing in that but it's clear that even though he went from place to place, he held these, each of these churches in his heart in a very relational way. Not just, a, okay, I started another church, check. Not, um, we have another X amount of people for the kingdom, check. Let me go and keep doing this. He did leave them, but he would come back and he would write these letters. And he really felt in uh, relationship with them. It makes me think a little bit about uh, Dave Day. I don't know how many of you heard his teaching a couple weeks ago, but at the very end he goes, I don't know if I'm going to make it back. But I'm with you. I'm tracking with you. I have a relation. I've had years of relationship with you, and you're on my heart. And I think that that's a different thing than just being an evangelist and an itinerant minister. That is a person who's one of us and um, circling back and sending Timothy 
and Epaphroditus, I was thinking, it, it, it's very important to Paul to have face-to-face meetings. He understood that these letters don't really express it all. And I want to be more than just a, a letter. Um, I, I want, people need more than just words. They need actual relationship face-to-face. And we can understand that, really. We probably, our generation right now, after living through COVID and the pandemic and not having face-to-face relationships possible for such an extended period of time, can really understand how important that is. Well, Paul did, too. And um, so I just got to thinking and praying about what is this community we're called to? What was the community that he was a part of? What did it look like? And um, thinking about community for us. Because surely community is one of our hallmarks, right? We talk about it, we we put the word in our name, it's part of our vision statement. So and and surely we are we are very attentive to each other when we have a need or you know, we put we broadcast out a need. We're very quick to offer a couch or a meal or a number of things, you know, when people put it out there that they're looking for something. Um, But I got to thinking, is is that really, does that really meet the hunger in us for community? Is that really all that community is about? It's a beautiful part of of community. But is that really what Paul was doing? Like, tell me your needs, put someone on it, we'll get you that. Sometimes it was, right? He did have and encourage other churches to help different churches who were in stress. So he didn't deny that there are some physical needs going on that we need to address. But he's not sending Timothy here to hand out resources or physical material resources to the Philippians. And uh, he's sending them, he's sending Timothy to be an encouragement. And not and an encouragement during a time when they were pretty strong. Which is interesting, right? Because... Um, if you think about it, it's easy to encourage, to, to feel like your heart broken for someone who feels discouraged and depressed. Um, and, and we try to be there for each other. But we kind of, if, if someone's not bleeding out in front of us, we're often going like, good, I have some things to do. And we have a lot of things to do, right? Um, Wow, I've already gone to page two. That's a good sign for you guys. (laughs) Um, So we have busy lives, right? All of us, every single one of us. Now I'm going to have to read. Um, We have families, families with kids, families with parents. Doesn't matter if you're married or single. There are a lot of commitments we have to address as families and I I know many of you who are in my age group are spending almost every second you have thinking about your parents and how you're going to help them move through some difficult times so um, there's nothing wrong with that no one can deny that right 
and we're like the rest of our culture. We're, we're, we're doing. We're a doing people. We're always, we fill our lives to the brink, meeting uh, other people's needs and agendas. Our work has certain responsibilities and expectations. We need to pay our bills. We're trying to manage the stress and our health in the midst of that, she says. <laughs> you know, and um, sometimes we're, when we feel overwhelmed, we're going to counselors to help us kind of think that through and help us manage it. Sometimes we're maybe thinking of adding uh, medication to help us balance some of that out because we're feeling overwhelmed and some sometimes we're just escaping the whole thing for a brief vacation somewhere else but we all feel it and you know it's not just us in this room you don't have to it's not just those of us in the church or out of the church it's not just those of us who are high power have high powered jobs it affects us just as much when we're working the McDonald's line. It's, we all just have 24 hours to make it work. And that isn't a lot of time. And most of us go to bed exhausted at the end of the day. Um, so how much bandwidth do we really have to bring in, I mean, there's, we maybe have 40 or 50 people. We're a small church. That is still a lot of people to kind of walk intimately with. Although, Paul walked with 14 different groups in different places and um, not just offering them Bible studies, but actually feeling what they were feeling and being present to them as much as he could. And um, so let's talk about that uh, a little. I mean, he did this even when he had a critique on the church he was addressing, such as the Corinthians or the Galatians. If you read those letters... He's calling them to task. He's at some point he's even saying you're following false guides. You need to to rethink what you're doing. You need to come back under the umbrella of of God. He didn't leave them though. He never said because if you don't, I'm gone. You know, if you can't toe the line. Or, I mean, that wasn't how he was doing it. He was, he was accepting them. He knew, he knew enough of what was going on that he could address the issue, but he stood with them through it. He, um, he, he did this even when with the churches who were persecuted. And like I said, I think probably all of them to some extent were persecuted during this time. It was a time of persecution. But there were some churches, like the Thessalonians, that were under great persecution. I mean, unending uh, persecution. And he um, sent them a few letters, you know, trying to address that and encourage them. And um, even as he wept with them at the injustice of it, he coached them into um, on how they can deal with that and uh, love their enemy. And he stood with those churches uh, like the Philippians, I mean, he remembered them uh, even in their moments of joy and um, successes. I mean, he, he never left these 14 churches. He, he walked with them and stood by them. 
Maybe this is the type of community we long for. Mm. I can't see my... (laughs) I don't want to hide my face, but I can't see my words. You know, maybe the type of community we're longing for is less about having a meal uh, made for us, all that, although that's beautiful and quite helpful. But maybe it's about being known, being seen, and be, being accepted for who we are. That's a much harder community to build, actually. And yet, that really is the deep longing of all of us, not just Christians, but everyone in our heart is to be seen. And none of us have got it right. So we're being seen in our most vulnerable places. It makes me think of, um, I thought a lot when I was preparing for my surgery about who would be there at my home when I came back from surgery because I, I was told that I would need someone to stay with me and um, I didn't know what that meant or what, th- what they would need to do, but um, I would just go like, wow, I'm going to be like in my worst moment. I'm going to be in pain. I'm going to feel fragile. I'm probably going to be really cranky, <laughs> not going to care. Who do, I, who do I want to put under that <laughs> kind of thing? And I didn't want to stay at anybody's house, you know, and be a guest somewhere. I wanted to be home. So I, I asked my, the only person I could think, or the most logical person I could think of was my brother, my older brother, because he's actually seen me in much worse conditions. And I am totally comfortable with him. And if I needed help going to the bathroom, I wanted him to be the person to help me not because that's how we are right we don't want people to see us at our worst we're very we we want to appear to be capable and in our best moment with each other even when if we're bleeding inside even if we need help going to the bathroom or even getting out of the chair even if it's just crying and complaining about the injustice of all the pain from surgery. (laughs) Yeah, he went through a lot, poor guy. But, um, But we shield each other from those parts of us. And yet in doing that, we're not really... I love my brother to the ends of the world. I always will. I will always delight when he can come and visit me. We're talking on the phone. We're, I mean, when people stand with you in those moments, there's something that is built with them that is so much deeper than the, hi, how are you? I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh, and it's in the, no, really, how are you? And I, I just think that's what we're longing for. We're, that's, as human beings, that's what we're longing for. And, um, you know, that kind of community and standing with each other is a choice. You have to make it. You have to be intentional about it. It, can't, it doesn't just happen um, it, it happens because we decide we're going to stay in the room with someone, even if we're not comfortable in that room. Um, I, when my dad was dying, he was in hospice, and we, uh, he wanted to be at home, so we had hospice in his city. They would come out to your home. But he really needed 24-7 care. And so I have 
two brothers and two sisters, and the five of us kind of all congregated for the nine months that he was sick in the home, and we took shifts. Uh, Not that we could do anything. We're not doctors. We couldn't keep him from dying. We couldn't, we couldn't, we really couldn't do (laughs) anything. I mean, he was on medication, but, um, I, and my shift was the, the overnight, so he wasn't even awake during most of my time with him, and um, that was an uncomfortable room. I I had issues with my dad that weren't going to be resolved. I'm I'm having this. He's dying. It, I mean, that's a hard room to sit in and not be able to do anything to change. All you're doing is witnessing something. All you're doing is sitting and standing by someone while they go through whatever it is they're going through. So the the kind of and isn't that what Paul was doing? He's saying, I'm standing by you. I haven't forgotten you. I will never forget you. And um and I think that's because that's what those that was the relationship those churches and he wanted to have. I think maybe we have to get a little bit more real about this community that we're building. Don't get me wrong. Um, It's not that we don't have community. I'm just thinking... What is it we really want? What is it we really want from each other? Who do we want to really be with each other? I can't answer that for you. I, I can only answer that for me, but it's a question. It's not an assumption. House groups are not assumptions. We say, oh, everyone should be part of a house group. Okay, well, it really doesn't take much to be part of a house group except to have an evening free and being willing to show up. And now with Zoom, we can show up on Zoom even. We don't have to leave our living room if we don't want. But um, is that what we want? want from a house group? Is that... Do we want to even dedicate an evening of our lives a week to to going and getting our 30-second from each, well, maybe it's a three-minute report from each person uh, of how they're doing and I don't know what all different house groups do. But it's, um, is that the kind of relationship that's going to sustain us in this day when everything feels a little flaky and fragile and isolated and polarized. Uh, I think we need to ask that. And here we are, right? We're coming out of a bit of a trauma with this whole building thing, right? That wasn't easy. It's not even easy right now. We're living with a lot of uncertainty. Are we sitting kind of halfway back, waiting to see how it all lands before we make a, a, a big commitment to being here with each other? Um, I think some people, we lost some people when we moved because they didn't believe we could be somewhere or they didn't want to be in that place of nomad. And so at least we have all decided we're willing to take a risk, right? We're willing. But you alone know deep inside how committed you are to here. And um, I, I think that what God is really calling us to in this word 
community or um, friendship, this Hasad love that we've learned about in reading the book together, the other side of the brain, is um, that it goes deeper than that, that we want deeper than that. And it's not about a building. It will never be about a building. Paul was not about a building. He could, you never hear him talking about the room anybody was meeting in. And some of those rooms were in caves <laughs> and catacombs and pretty, um, actually, if you do any, I mean, the catacombs is a burial ground under the ground, moldy and dark, not the, the most conducive for celebration and worship and feeling good about where your life's going. It wasn't about that. And he doesn't even talk about the catacombs. I mean, historians talk about it while he's here in Rome. But um, you never hear him talking one way or the other. You don't, you don't hear any of the churches talking one way or the other about it. Oh, we lost our building. Oh, we lost our meeting space. Oh, we have a great meeting space. Oh, boy, Lydia, what a, what a dream. <laughs> you know, um, no, they talked about each other. They clung to each other. They visited each other. They made room in their lives for each other. It's not that they didn't do things with other people, but they, that group, that, those churches were the lifeblood of each other that helped them be strong through the other moments in their life. And like I say, there was persecution there. And you know there's persecution here in this moment. We all, we all know it. Even though I, I don't, people have different opinions about this, but I don't think anybody is like putting a target on Christian. Well, maybe there are some people who put targets on Christians' heads, but I think we're more aware of our differences and how that doesn't go in line with what other people are saying or wanting to hear. So we feel like we can't be our full selves well in a lot of different groups, like at work or in a number of rooms. But in this room, we actually can be totally ourselves. Or, I shouldn't say that, we should be able to be totally ourselves. But like I said, that's a decision. That's a decision each of us has to make to be in the room, not politely, not only when we've got it together in our, our best looking, yeah, I'm doing fine moment because we don't want anybody to feel sorry for us or be burdened by us. But in all of our moments, the moments where we're shaky, the moments where we feel fragile, the moments that we feel very strong, you know, we have to be as present when we feel strong as when we feel weak. Because being strong and being weak, they're not... It's life. That's life. It's not uh, a fluke. You know, I I would like to say, oh, this this surgery and the condition that comes, well, that's a momentary thing. It's going to get fixed, and then I'm going to move back into my life. You know what? I've I've heard from the doctors, well, this won't kill you, but it's not curable. <laughs> so yeah, this is your new normal, honey. I mean, they didn't say it so cavalier, but um, but that's basically what they said. Your life is altered, is altered now. Is it altered 
in a way that it's going to kill me? No. But it's but there's going to be things that are hard for me to deal with and that's just life and that's just life for every single one of us. So if we're going to live together, we can't treat this as a crisis moment. Let's get it fixed and then we can all move back to our lives. We have to travel with each other in the day-to-day. Well, we don't have to, but if we did, we would have a different relationship that would feed us in a different way and really empower us as we're walking through whatever situation we have to walk through, whether it's our individual situations or situations like being nomadic as a group. And um, I'm going to jump because I already passed my transition phrase. (laughs) So um, in, in the way you might have become used to, I have filled the room with something on the table, eggs. I brought eggs with me today. Those are real eggs. I know the last time I put eggs on the table, people thought they might be plastic. <laughs> but no, these, these are real eggs, hand-blown. And um, so eggs represent to me uh, birth. And they symbolize birth, creativity, and change. And I, I think all of us together right now are birthing something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a building. Maybe it's a new ministry. Uh, No, it's not a building. I just said it's not a building, right? But it's something, and we don't know what it is, and we don't have the words even yet for it. It's, except to say it's a community. Maybe what we're building is a community. Maybe if we want to know how we go forward. Isn't it interesting? I, I, I was going to say this a lot earlier, but I was going, one of the things I reflected on is God is really bringing us to this issue of community and loving one another quite a lot over and over again. Because here this message is again about it. And, and the la- and Scott talked about loving one another, and David Day, Dave Day talked about it. And actually, if you haven't heard that teaching, sorry, I'm making another plug for Dave Day. And even if you have heard that teaching, go listen to it again, because those are words of wisdom, and I think those are now words for us if you know what I mean by that, that phrase, the now word God is giving us is for unity and community. And, um, and I could go back further because I think reading that, that book together was all about community and, and how do we love each other and how do we figure that out. So that... I think, I've told other people, I think we're in an exciting moment in this church. I was in the exciting moment when when this church was formed. So I'm an oldie. I have the experience to to recognize exciting, fire-starting moments. Actually, I'm a bit of a fire-starter. Almost every job I've had has been one at the very beginning stages of it and developing it into. This is another one of those things. And I think we can build the community the way we want. Even even with our history, I don't want to disregard that we've had a history together, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you to pray in your own lives. What is the community you want? What is the community you need? And are you willing to be that person?
for someone else and join join with us. I mean, I, I think you are. You're here. I think that's no coincidence. That's no nothing small that we're the people that um, have said, you know, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to stick with these people. But we have to, um, I want to encourage us to not just do it in the same old way that we have done it. Let's make something new. We can make something new. This is, this is the best time to be part of a, of a group or a congregation is when we're all going, adding our voice to the mix and saying, why not? Why not do this? Why not do that? Why not be a part of this? And you can't do that with one foot in and one foot out. This, this is what Paul is, is demonstrating. He had both feet in. And he says, I'm there with you till the end for as long as I can be in whatever way I can be. And um, that's the kind of community we want. But we have to decide for it and be willing to sacrifice for it and become vulnerable for it. And we have to be willing to accept people in their journey, wherever they are in their journey. And we're all in different places, and we all have a different portion of the truth, but we don't, any of us, have the whole truth in us. So there is no conversation we will have with anyone where we don't say, hmm, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't want to insult them, but I'm not sure. Not our interpretation of scripture, not the way we walk it out, not the people we vote for, not the, the marches that we're willing to march in. We're all, we're all on our own journeys in that. So to choose to do it together is not to say, I'm only going to do it with people who agree with me. In fact, we don't, we know people don't agree with us. That's the hard part about it. The, the strong place of community is when I can be myself and you can see me in my worst possible way where I'm cranky and need help going to the bathroom and need uh, crying in my own pit of self-pity and you'll stay in the room with it. That's the person we call a brother. Um, and how free and beautiful would it be to feel that with others. Maybe with our house groups. If we can't do 50 people, maybe we can do 10 people. Allow 10 people in and, and be vulnerable. I don't know what this looks like any more than you do. Be one thing is I think it looks different for all of us. But two... We're not used to trying this, right? The world has taught us it's very unsafe to reveal who you are. People reject you. People make fun of you. People take advantage of you. But that is what the world wants. That is what... If we want to be different, if we want to be a place of safety for people or a, a welcoming place. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking for a potluck. They're not, they're not looking for another agenda item to put on their calendar. They're looking for friends to hang out with who are, who are going to be there 
when they when they are there so i i just encourage us first in your own private moment to ask yourself where you are and to commit yourself i'm going to ask boldly of course it's god who's got to be the one informing you but to commit wholeheartedly to this little community that we have because if we have a group of people committed to each other we can take our mustard seed and move it into a mountain and i don't even know what the mountain is for us that we're trying to move but i do know that if we just keep at a superficial level none of us are going to be satisfied we need so much more and we can have it if we choose to stay in the room and work for it ha huh, the last uh yeah yeah good so this is the last screen and i'm going to end on this um passage it's not from philippians it's actually from hebrews now i need my glasses and it's let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another so that's a a good that's just a good summary of everything i meandered around today um let me just end us in prayer so lord we pray that you will reveal even more of what it means for us to be community together we confess that we kind of struggle in that or maybe we don't struggle at all but have just become complacent even when our hearts long for so much more take us deeper jesus even after all these years we know there is more more of you to experience and understand and more of each other to walk the road together with lord uh even though we don't know what this looks like we trust this cloud that we are following by day and fire by night this journey we are on is one that just is focused on you and moving together as a body in Jesus name thank you